Welcome to the Seashore Church Message of the Week. This message is designed to bring more of heaven into your world today. For more resources like this, or to learn more about our church, visit seashorechurch.com. I'm going to be speaking on a topic today that's coming from actually Ephesians chapter 3. So if you do have your Bibles or on your phones or get it memorized either way, but turn to Ephesians chapter 3, and I'm going to be sharing some stuff from there. This book was written by the guy named Paul, the Apostle Paul. And Paul wrote several letters to churches throughout the New Testament, and each of them kind of had a little bit of a different theme because he's writing to different churches and different places dealing with different issues. How many of you know different churches have different issues sometimes? The uh, books of First and Second Corinthians was written to the church in Corinth, and the, the issue in Corinth was this city was kind of, they were all over the place. It was a very worldly city, and there was a kicking church that was there, but all these people had come out of a life of sin and into the church, and some of them were dragging the sin into the church with them. And so some of the book of Corinthians had some very harsh rebukes for Christians who were still living in sin, but yet still professing Christ. And so Paul had some pretty harsh rebukes for the church in Corinth. When you read 1 Corinthians, you're, you're kind of like, oh my gosh, right? Then you have the book of Galatians. Galatians dealt with the churches in Galatia. They didn't have a sin issue. The problem with the churches in Galatia was legalism. You see, they were trying to earn God's love. They thought, if I do enough good stuff, God will accept me. God will love me. Very different issue to the church in Corinth. But when we get to the book of Ephesians, this letter reads very differently to these other letters. And we see we can kind of pick up on what was happening in the church by the tone of the letter that Paul writes. You follow me? And so the tone of Ephesians is kind of like, you're doing great. Man, that's the letter I want to get. I want to get an Ephesians kind of letter. I don't want to get a Corinthians type of letter. I don't want to get a Galatians letter where he says, you foolish Galatians who has bewitched you. That's a pretty harsh rebuke. But in Ephesians, he's going, look, you guys are actually doing okay. You, you figured out the sin issue. You figured out the legalism issue. Now I want to share something with you that you've got these two things resolved. Let me share something with you about where do we go now. And so what Paul talks about in this letter is he's constantly talking about God's power in us. God's power in us. How do we get it? And what is it for? So I want to pick up here um, in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16. Because as we read this, we're not just reading the history of a few churches. We're not just reading about, oh, well, this church was that, and this church was that, and this church is the one you're supposed to go to because they're doing okay. You see, there's times in my own life when I can read this and I go, I was just like Corinth. There was a moment maybe when I had sin that had crept into my life, and maybe I realized it, maybe I didn't realize it. But there's sin that's crept into my life, and I need the rebuke of a Corinthians letter. There's times when legalism has crept into my life, when somehow I felt like maybe I wasn't doing enough. And in order for me to really become all that God's called me to be, i got to do more stuff. And I crept into that legalism area. And there's other moments when I'm actually... I'm kind of doing okay. And so as I read these, I think there's moments when I've needed the rebuke. There's moments when I just needed the encouragement. And so it kind of follows the pattern of a believer of how we can take on what the Apostle Paul is actually writing. Okay, Ephesians chapter 3, and I'm going to look in verse 16. Paul writes, 
I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all of the Lord's holy people to grasp how high and how long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now, Ephesians is one of those books that it's taken me about six months to get through the first three chapters because there's just so much that's here. But this verse that I'm going to read now, Ephesians chapter 3, 20, it's one of my favorite verses in the Bible. I know you're not supposed to have favorite verses, but this is one of mine. And I know for a lot of people it's one of their favorite verses too. And it says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask, hope, or imagine, according to the power that's at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. To him who is able to do more. What a great promise from God that however much I can ask, hope, or imagine, God can do more. He can do more. And I don't know about you, but I, I can imagine pretty big. I can, I can even ask pretty big. I learned that lesson as a kid when my dad came home from work one day and he got a big raise at work. And he said, all right, kids, each of you can have one thing you really want. And I was probably six years old, and all I could think about was I wanted, and this is going to date me. You ready for this one? I wanted a digital watch because I guess they were new back in the day, right? But I never had a digital watch. I always had the ones you had to wind up. And I was like, I just want a digital watch. And sure enough, my dad said, well, if that's what you want, that's what you get. And I was like, this is amazing. I can't believe my dad bought me a digital watch. My sister got a TV. A TV. I didn't know that was on the menu. I tell you what, I learned a valuable lesson. Ask small, get small. Ask big, get big. And I learned that however much I can imagine, God can do more. God can do more. If I had had, I mean, I might have been six, but I'm like a car. In 10 years, I'll be able to drive it. Who knows? But I, I learned that lesson hard that day. God can do more. God can do more. God can do more. He can do more. He is able to do more. So it means that when I'm Maybe, God, if I pray for somebody and they're sick, maybe they'll feel better and goes, no, I want to do more. I want to see them healed. God, I want to pray that somebody's arthritis in their knee goes away or feels better. And he goes, I want to rid their body of cancer. I can do more. It's when we say, God, I don't just want to stop at seeing individuals healed. I want the hospital down the street from my house to be closed because they have no business anymore. Nobody's sick. Healing is so prevalent, they don't need a doctor anymore. And God goes, here, why not the whole city? Why not just the city? Why not all of Hampton Roads? Well, we're known as a place, don't start a hospital in Hampton Roads. There's no business. Nobody's sick. I want to see bars closed. I want to see uh, addiction recovery centers. And I love all of those things, addiction recovery centers. But I want to see them just go, look, people are just free. They've just been set free. Their bondages are broken. God can do more. And so I want to make sure that I'm asking more and I'm imagining more. But this scripture says that it's according to. 
He is able according to. So there's an according. What's it according to? It's according to the power that's at work within us. And we're going to go through a little bit of Bible study with this verse, if that's okay. Because I actually want to break down what it is that Paul is praying. Because it's not just about you asking big. It's not just about me knowing that God can do more. It's according to the power that's at work within me. And that power is not necessarily being a person of great faith, though that's a part of it. But Paul reveals this at the beginning of this scripture. He says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you. What are God's glorious riches? It's all the more, right? His riches are, I've got healing. I've got provision. I've got deliverance. I've got salvation. That's the more that God's wanting to bring on the earth. It's bringing heaven to earth. Heaven's not the place we go when we die. It's his kingdom that's come here now. Heaven is now. Jesus prayed, "My on earth as it is in heaven. My kingdom come, my will be done on earth as it is in heaven. If Jesus prayed we can have heaven on earth, then I don't want to put up with anything less. But it's according to the power that's at work within me. God's riches is heaven come to earth. So Paul is praying that I'm praying out of heaven, out of all of God's riches, that he strengthens you. He takes all of him and strengthens you. But how does he do it? He strengthens you with power through the Spirit. You see, the vehicle for God's power to come into our hearts is the Holy Spirit. It's not just faith. It's not even just salvation. But he's praying that God takes his riches and through the vehicle of the Holy Spirit that he puts that power in you where Jesus now dwells in your hearts by faith, but the power comes through the Holy Spirit. And it's a power that lives in us. And it's according to that power that God is able to do more. Are you following me okay? But he's saying that strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. Our inner being, that's our spirit. So he's saying, I pray that all of God's riches comes through the Holy Spirit into your spirit. The deep calls to deep. God's spirit, which replenishes, which renews our spirit, where it's not just our spirit asking God to do the stuff. It's his spirit in us. Jesus didn't say those who believe in me will be able to cast streams of living water into dry places. He says streams of living water will flow from them. God wants his power at rest in you. He wants to dwell in your hearts through faith. It's abiding, but it's the power that can change our world if we understand it. But how does our world get changed? Why does God strengthen our spirit? I want you to catch this from the text. This is not just Clayton's idea about this. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, that's Holy Spirit power, together with all God's holy people, in other words, not just the apostles, the prophets, but all of God's people. I'm praying that you have power to grasp how wide, how long, how high, and how deep is the love of Christ. 
This is the part I think we miss. Because the power that's at work in us is the power to grasp God's love. God doesn't want to put power into us so that we can do cool stuff. We need the power of the Holy Spirit in our hearts so that we can grasp His love. Grasp. Grasp. Do you know what grasp means in the Greek? It doesn't just mean to take hold of. When you grasp it, it means you make it your own. I'm not just grasping it and throwing it. I'm making it mine. Like a little kid. Mine. Anybody have little kids or teenagers? Mine. You grasp it and you make it your own. Paul is saying that you need the power of the Holy Spirit to make God's love your love. That's the power that's at work within us. It's not the comprehension. It's not the understanding. It's the grasping of His love. Grasping. Make it your own. His agape love. His unconditional love. When you've made it yours and His, re- his Spirit takes up residence in your heart, then when Jesus promised as He ascended into heaven, He said, Lo, I'll be with you even till the end of the age. When God in the Old Testament promised, I'll never leave you nor forsake you, what He's talking about here is the fulfillment of that promise. It's kind of weird. Jesus is like, Lo, I'll be with you even to the end of the age. And then He goes away. Wait, what? But you're leaving. But wait. Because He's coming. And on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, The Holy Spirit comes, the Spirit of Jesus, to take residence and to dwell in our hearts through faith. And it's that power of the Holy Spirit, its main purpose is to help us grasp God's love. Because it's love that's going to change the world. But it's not my love. It's His love in me. Because if I love people the way I love, someone's going to miss out. You see my Facebook replies or other people's replies to my stuff. But when I have his love, no one misses out. No one misses out. Romy was texting me all of the day before Thanksgiving. Let's have this person over. Let's have that person over. And she's just scrolling through Facebook and seeing people that have either nowhere to go or being shunned by their family. She's like, let's have them over. I'm never going to look past that person. I just went, man, that's some agape right there. Because I'm trying to figure out how to convince my mom to let 15 more people come over to her house, which she would have happily done. But that's the agape love. It just doesn't miss people. It doesn't drive by the homeless person at the stoplight on the way here, thinking, I don't have time to help you. i got to get to church. It's his agape love, but we need to grasp it and make it our own. God wants to empower us to receive his love. God's power at work in us is the power to grasp his love. Because the truth is, he already talks about it here. Whatever we grasp, it takes root, doesn't it? What we grasp, it eventually takes root. Now, during COVID, we've seen some grasping. We've seen people grasp hold of addiction, fear, anxiety, isolation, 
We've seen people grasping for all kinds of things. And I, I've said this, I think, last Sunday night. I knew that when we sort of came out of hibernation, how many of you felt like you came out of hibernation today? Eventually, I guess, when people come out of this thing, they're going to come out with something. Because can't, people can't spend that time alone that long and come out the same. You're going to come out with something. You're going to grasp hold of something. And my hope and my prayer is that in that season, we're not just grabbing hold of what the enemy is throwing at us in the darkness of our own mind, that we don't come out depressed and addicted and in fear and anxious and whatever else the enemy wants to throw at us. I'm praying we come out, and this is what people say of us. And Emily shared this last Sunday night. It's from Song of Solomon, chapter 8, verse 5. And I wrote it in my, because I abbreviate Song of Solomon. It's SOS. I was like, oh, that's great. This is my SOS. This scripture says, who is this coming from the wilderness, leaning on her beloved? Who is this coming out of the wilderness, but leaning on her beloved? That's the same type of scripture that Kim just read this morning when I said, that's my message. You're going to come out grasping something. What if when you came out of all of this isolation, the world looks and goes, who is this coming out of this wilderness, leaning on her beloved? Like walking in such friendship with Jesus because you've grasped hold of his love and let go of everything else that is screaming for you to grab hold of it. What if we came out from this more free than when we went in? What if we came out of this and declaring a joy-filled breakthrough that we've just been through? And you're going to run into people who were bound up, and you're like, wasn't this great? This whole season, I have fallen in love with Jesus. I've grasped hold of his love. What a season of breakthrough. And they're going to look at you like you are nuts. But they're going to want it. Well, why wait till there's a vaccine? Why wait till the economy turns around? Why not grab hold of his love now? And I mean now. Now. Now is the time. <laughs> Being able to grab hold of love, I think as guys, we kind of struggle with this a little bit. I can't speak for the women. You guys are probably great. But I can speak for this guy. Because I always viewed love as, as something that, as guys, we pursue it, don't we? We pursue love. We find a woman who knocks our socks off, and we'll do everything we can to try to get that woman to fall in love with us. Because that's our job. I can't live life without this person, so I better get her to love me one way or another. I remember when I first met Romy, we were just friends at first. She was actually my Bible study leader, which was kind of cool. But when we first met, Rome, uh, actually Bella asked me the other day, she goes, when did you first fall in love with mom? And I was like, man, I, I don't ever remember not being in love with her. I had to think back about it. And then I realized that there was a moment when my mom actually came over. Were you on your own? or did Yeah, she came over to visit me when I was, I was playing basketball in Australia, which is where we actually met. And she came over to visit, and Romy and I were just friends. She was my Bible study leader, but she thought, I want to take 
uh, Clayton and this this lady who's just visiting down to my parents' place, which is about an hour and a half south of where we currently lived, and it's paradise. I mean, paradise. Like the beach she grew up on is in the Guinness Book Worlds of Records. Did I say that right? The Guinness Book of World Records as being the whitest sand in the whole world. That's the beach she grew up on. It's like blinding. You can't go out there in the day without sunglasses on. And she so goes, let's, let's go down there. And I was like, cool. So I'm driving down, and we're going to spend the day down there. And it was, uh, she took us to this place. It's called the Abandoned Lighthouse, and it's like a couple mile down a dirt track. And then you get out to this opening, and it's a cliff. And it's like this sheer cliff that overlooks the entire Pacific Ocean, this blue water crashing up against the shore, and this lighthouse that had crumpled. It was like this old antique place. You millennials would have loved taking photographs there. It would have been awesome. It was a perfect selfie spot. And it was just, it was just stunning, you millennials. How condescending did that sound? How many okay boomers did I just get? I'm not a boomer. I'm a Gen Xer, all right? Get off my back. So anyway... We're walking up to this place, and, and, and Romy and I were kind of, there's a place where the, 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 the path kind of forks, and she took me over to this spot that was this ledge, and, just, and there's no one there, right? They just overlooked this beautiful spot, and I noticed my mom just was kind of like, okay, well, I guess I'll go down this path over here on my own, and I'll just leave those two over there, and uh, we were just friends, and I remember walking out on that cliff and just thinking, I really want to kiss this girl right now, and you have that oh, my gosh, I think I really love this girl. I would have freaked her out if I had tried to do that back then and probably wouldn't have ended up over the cliff as a result. <laughs> but I just went, oh, my gosh, you get those feelings. But then I kind of get that, oh, no, I have to get this girl to love me because if I don't have this love returned to me, I'm stuck. And so I spent quite some time trying to pursue the love of this woman. Sometimes I was pretty good at it. Sometimes I was not very good at all. We were sharing this story with Aaron and Katie. We eventually started dating, right? And um, I had never really had a girlfriend before. She had never, at least not longer than three months. And uh, she had never really had a boyfriend before of any kind of significance, which shocked me. I guess she just fully intimidated everybody. She's telling me to stop. So um, your beauty just intimidated every man that would not come near you. You were on a pedestal that no man could ever climb and reach. I'm just embarrassing her even more. So uh, we started dating, and, and I don't know what it was, but I, um, I really I just knew I, I had to pursue this woman. I had to pursue her love. I had to get it back, right? But sometimes I just didn't know how to do it. And so I remember there was this one Valentine's Day, and it was Romy's first Valentine's Day having a boyfriend, which apparently I learned later is a pretty big deal. And so she called me that day, and she's like, hey, let's, let's make some plans. It's Valentine's Day, and let's go have a picnic. And I was like, sure. And now I heard, I heard, let's have a picnic sometime after 1 o'clock. What was actually said is let's have a picnic at 1 o'clock. My brain didn't hear that. So the problem is I woke up in the morning. I was like, oh, that'll be fun. I woke up in the morning, and the boys called, and the surf was probably the best it's been all year long. It was cranking. It was my day off. I only got one day off a week. So we went out surfing, and it was good. And you know what? Sometimes you wear a watch when you go surfing. Sometimes you don't. Sometimes you convince yourself you know what time it is based on where the sun is, which is a lie. But anyway, I spent a little more time out there than I probably meant to. 
And uh, so as I'm arriving to her house around 6.30, I met a woman who was not angry. She was hurt. I wish she was angry instead. But she had gone out and bought a picnic basket, had spent all morning preparing like a charcuterie board, all these little dishes of things that we were going to go out and have an experience at 1 o'clock. And for the very first time, she would have this Valentine's Day prepared. And I realized that I had wrecked this. I had been trying to pursue her love but was not doing a very good job of it. And so we made a wreck of the pig. We. I made a wreck of Valentine's Day, which I've been making up for ever since. So she's like, well, let's just go to Chinese instead. So we went to a really, Chinese is cheap here. It's not in Australia. We went to a really expensive Chinese restaurant. And I didn't realize that this was actually test number two, Sam. But she goes, you know what? I'll pick up the bill. And I was like, no, 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 I'll, I'll get this. That's okay. I'll, I'll get the bill. And she's like, no, I insist. And I'm like, well, I guess I, you know, she wants to. I, I don't want to knock her down. She picked up the bill. It was an expensive bill. That was a test of whether this whole thing was going to work out. And I failed test one and number two. So we had a meeting a couple days later <laughs> at my apartment. And she walks in resolute. How many of you know Rummy can be resolute, right? She walks in and starts the conversation, and I'm dumb old me. I'm like, I'm pursuing love, and that's all forgotten, right? And now it's like, hey, how you doing? And then she's like, we need to talk. I was like, oh. And I felt the talk coming, and I did what I advise every guy never to ever, 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 ever do. Because she began to have the breakup talk with me, and she goes, well, it's not like I'm in love with you. And I said... Well, I am. She said, what? I said, I'm in love with you. This is what I advise people to do. Never tell a woman you love her just so that she won't break up with you, but it's exactly what I did. But when I said it, I realized I really do. I love this woman with all of my heart. And I need to win her heart. I need to show her that she is the most important thing in my life, the most important person. And I need to pursue that love. I want her to love me so much. I can't force her to love me, but I want that love. And I will do everything I can from this point on to win that love and to pursue and win your heart. From that moment on, things got a whole lot better. Did they? They got better. And Valentine's Day has been a very big deal in our house ever since then. There were moments when I did not do a good job of pursuing her love. And so I think it's why for a long time I had a hard time grasping the love of the Father for me. Because I know that when I try to pursue love, at some point I'm going to get it wrong. Maybe it's a selfishness that I had that I didn't realize I had. Can I give you a hint? If you want to learn how selfish you really are, get married. Whew. You never realize it till you share the same space with somebody. You're like, I really like things my way. That's pretty funny. 
But I never, I had a hard time grasping his love for me because I know that as much as I pursue, at some point I'm going to fail just like I failed Romy and almost blew it. Until I realized when it comes to the love of the Father, we're not the groom. We're the bride. We're not the ones pursuing. We're the ones who've been pursued. We as the church, we're the bride of Christ. I'm not pursuing God's love for me. I'm meant to receive it. Jesus said, I have come to seek and save the lost in Luke chapter 19. He came looking for me. He came looking for you. That the grasping of his love is not trying to convince God to love me. It's receiving his love that's poured out freely for me. He is the pursuer. All the way back in Genesis chapter 3, when Adam and Eve sinned, God knew they sinned. He did. They did the one thing they weren't supposed to do. God could have just said, that's it. I'm done with you. Wiped Adam and Eve off the face of the earth. Created robots he, and to do his will. He could have picked up another clump of clay, breathed life into it, and said, well, maybe, the next, maybe 2.0 will work out. But that's not what the father did. He knew that Adam messed up. And yet the Bible says he comes down in the cool of the day. And it says in Genesis chapter 3, verse 9, But the Lord called to the man, Where are you? At his lowest and worst spot, God pursued Adam. He pursued Eve. It's the heart of the Father. I know you can't get my love. You can't earn it. You can't deserve it. That's the point. So I brought myself to you. I poured my love out for you. I called for you. Sam, where are you? Tim, where are you? John, where are you? He's still calling today. I'm not calling you to punish you. He didn't come down into the garden to punish Adam. He could have done that from heaven. He came down because Adam was lost. And he knew that without him as the father intervening into Adam's situation, it was all just going to spiral downwards from there. And God called to him, Adam, would you still receive my love? I'll never leave you, and I'll never forsake you. There's some consequences, but you still have me. God is the pursuer, not us. And it takes power to grasp his love. In John 3.16, it says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. It takes power to grasp the love of God. But you know what? If Bella is trying to give me these keys, and she's going, Here, Dad, here's your keys. And I'm holding on to this water bottle. I'm like, I can't, I can't get them, Bella. I can't receive. You got to figure out how to get this to me. Hold them out. Here are your keys, Dad. Can you put them on top somewhere? You ever carry the groceries in and you're like, I can fit one more on that pinky. Any one trip wonders like me? There are no such. If there's two trips, you failed, all right? You need to go back to the. It just stays in the car till the next morning. One trip wonders. 
We do that with God. We're, he's saying, come on, grasp my love. And we're going, if I can fit a little bit of love on that little pinky as I go in, maybe I can do it. And instead, the only way for us to grasp hold of his love is to let go of whatever else it is that we're holding on to. There's no full grasping until there's first a letting go. So you may have picked some stuff up in COVID. You may have picked up some fear. You may have picked up a little bit of anxiety. You may have even picked up an addiction. Can I encourage you? Jesus just says, if you lay that down, if you surrender it at my feet, then you can grasp my love. But you can't hold on to both at the same time. I've seen people, I have family members that have become venomous towards us. They weren't like that before because they've picked up a root of bitterness. Whatever you grasp takes root. And what one offense normally would have been like, we'll just get together and hash it out and we'll be fine. But because they grasp it, it's taken root. And now there's a root of bitterness that's driving my family away from me. Not my family that's here. Don't look that way. If you want to grasp his love, you got to let go. Can we pray? And I'm going to ask you, just between you and God as we're sitting here this morning, because sometimes as I say that, I know that you're thinking, have I grasped something else? Have I picked up a root of bitterness? Are my decisions actually being ruled by fear? But I'm calling it safety, or I'm calling it spirituality. But is it fear? You see, I can't answer that question, but I can introduce you to the one who can. And his name is Jesus. So as you're sitting there this morning, just ask him, Jesus, is there anything I've grabbed hold of that I need to let go of? And just ask him. It might be one thing, it might be a dozen, but ask him. Don't ask the person next to you. And this might sound weird, but don't ask yourself. Invite Jesus in and ask him, Jesus, is there anything that I've grabbed hold of that I need to let go of? And whatever that thing, I actually think that happens quickly, that whatever that first thing is that popped up into your head, (laughs) that's him. And just as an act of surrender, just say, Jesus, I let go. Even just open up your, your hand, kind of as a prophetic act to say, Jesus, I let go of the things that I've grabbed hold of that don't belong in my heart. And ask him and say, Jesus, I want to grasp your love. Would you empower me through your spirit? Out of all of your riches in heaven, would you empower me through your spirit into my spirit as I lay down the things that I've grabbed hold of? Would you empower me with your power so that I can grab hold of your love? Because I know that you don't just want me to 
understand your love. You want me to make it my own. Come on, just take it. Take it. Jesus, I pray more. I pray more, more, more. Pour it out. Pour it out. Pour it out. We want more. We want more. Pour it out. Now, Jesus. Now. Now. We want more. Come on, ask him to fill you with this spirit. You receive the Holy Spirit the same way you did salvation. It comes by faith. That if your God wants to give you his spirit, he's not going to give you something that's bad for you. He only wants what's good for you because he's a loving father. It doesn't matter what you've done in your past. You lay all that stuff at his feet and receive his love, and he will empower you with his spirit. Invite him in. Welcome him in. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I pray for every heart here, every heart here, to be filled with the power of your Holy Spirit. Let heaven come now into these hearts. Let heaven come now, more of heaven in our hearts, in Jesus' name. Empower us to love you more. Thank you, Lord. Dwell in our hearts through faith. We believe you. We believe that you are good. We believe that you love us. And we grab hold of it and make it our own this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us today. For more resources like this or to find information about our weekly services, visit seashorechurch.com.